This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. To bless or be a blessing, to be blessed, all of that occurs about 600 times in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But what does it mean? What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to pray and call God to bless us? What does it mean to bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name? What does that mean? Do we take this word rather lightly? Does it have any significance, any real significance, or is it just kind of an interjection in our conversation that we use? Uh, Sounds nice, sounds pretty, but really doesn't have any meaning. Well, today on Viewpoint, we're going to deal with all of that. I'm glad that you joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And indeed, with regard to the matter of blessing, there is conviction that goes along with it, because if we're expecting or hoping that God will bless us, there might be some things that are prerequisite to that. There might be some things to that, that are, are conditional in, in terms of being blessed. In fact, there are so many things in the Bible that we don't really consider that are conditional because, well, we just don't want them to be conditional. We have an entitlement feeling, don't we? That somehow I'm entitled to be blessed. I'm entitled to God's blessing. And if God won't bless me, well, then... Boy, he's going to pay for that. Well, I'll just walk away from him. Well, and that's really going to get you a blessing, isn't it? No, it doesn't work that way. Because blessing somehow is always related to relationship. It really is. In fact, the whole kingdom of God is about relationship. In fact, your relationship, your to be blessed by your spouse or to have a household that's blessed is going to require that Something pretty good is going on between you and someone else in your household, your spouse, for instance. And you're going to have to be an active blesser if you hoped to be blessed by your spouse. Well, perhaps the same is true with God. And today on Viewpoint, we're going to be talking about this with our special guest who has never before joined us on Viewpoint, Gould Jackson. He's coming to us from the far west coast, the far northwest coast in uh, Washington state. He speaks with an accent that betrays where he is, that, that actually doesn't resemble where he is living because he actually has come from South Africa. And South Africa has a twinge of the British. So as he joins us, he's going to bring a special blessing to us with his accent. Gordon, it's good to have you on the program. Thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, how long has it been since you have uh, matriculated in South Africa? I finished high school in uh, 1966 Uh and then did my undergraduate work at the University of Cape Town. Mm Mm-hmm slowly made my way through some more studies and then ended up going to Wheaton College in Illinois. Many of your listeners will know of Wheaton. Sure. And 
was there in uh, the mid-70s doing a master's degree in communication. So Wheaton College could not undo your accent then? No, and I think they may have tried, but I, I was faithful to my roots. One of the things that uh, I particularly uh, value, when someone comes on this program, I consider it a blessing when they come, for instance, with a British accent or an Australian accent. I, I find it fascinating, and it gives a unique uh, touch uh, to the subject. So I'm, I'm so glad that you've joined us here on the program today. Now, you have written a book called The God Who Blesses, and uh, you you have actually 50 different chapters or 50 different points concerning blessing, uh, the Lord's blessing of us, our blessing of one another, and so on. But this word blessing seems to, well, kind of go undefined in our conversation. Why is it that we can use this word so often and yet not really know what it means? That is exactly the point of the book. And I want to explore in the book what do we mean when we talk about blessing one of the great dangers we have is trivializing an astonishingly powerful concept when we're talking about god's blessings we're talking about live ammunition if i say oh don't worry i'll just say a quick prayer for you that's diminishing one of the great powers in the universe if i'm not taking prayer in all its its seriousness and its potential for having God intervene in our situation. Uh Uh-huh. So, you know, it's interesting you use this word trivial or trivializing, and that seems to be characteristic of our times. Not only the trivializing of words, but actually the changing of the meaning of words so as to avoid their implication in our lives. That's a pretty dangerous thing, isn't it? I think so. The question is when, especially our uh, friends in the South who have some wonderful idioms may say something like, well, bless your cotton socks. We don't say that in Washington State, but we do say bless you if you sneeze. (laughs) I really, in, in that moment, invoke the God of the universe to say, God, would you please bestow good things on this person because he has sneezed? Uh, No, we don't. Uh, We are using the word in a very loose and potentially dangerous way. Now, you say dangerous. Why do you mean mean dangerous? Uh, I mean, most people who would say that think they're doing a good thing. They're taking the heat. They're using it to take the heat off the person uh, so that they don't feel bad. Yeah, the reason I say dangerous is the very fact of trivializing something. Mm-hmm. We can easily uh, take for granted what blessings are or what we think they are. And if we limit our understanding of blessings to uh, sneezes and cotton socks, then we are in danger of missing out on the much deeper, richer meaning of what happens when God blesses us. Well, indeed, that would be true, because as I recall, uh, in hearing Handel's Messiah uh, year after year, he uh, records the passage in Revelation where the saints are singing, Blessing and honor, glory and power be unto you forever and ever. 
Blessing and honor, glory and power be unto you, Lord, forever and ever. Uh, That's pretty profound stuff. Exactly. And that's the side of blessing that uh, I hope some readers would get out of the book, that this is something to be taken seriously. Well, indeed, from Genesis on, uh, we see that to be taken seriously. I mean, right there in in Genesis uh, chapter 2, I believe it is, or chapter 1 even, uh, at the end of creation, God declares everything good, and then he blesses the human beings that he has created in his image and says, uh, be fruitful and multiply and uh, replenish the earth. So blessing begins right there at the end of creation, doesn't it? Yes, and there are other chapters of God's plan for his people where Right. We'll pick up on that after the break. Stay tuned. Children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at Save Us. Blessing. What in the world does it really mean? What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be a blessing? What does it mean to pray that God would bless us? And what would deprive us of blessing? What does deprive us of blessing in our lives? All of that here today on Viewpoint, it's got to be a very important thing. And as we launch into the new year here in the month of January, this has to be something that we talk about. Uh, And I'm so glad that our special guest, uh, Gordon Jackson, uh, coming uh, from Washington State via South Africa, Uh, is bringing a wonderful South African-British accent to us to discuss the matter of blessing. Now, we we were talking about blessing beginning at the end of creation as God blessed Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. You were going to pick up from there and had to be interrupted. Yes. What we have is the blessing that comes at different chapters in God's working with his people. We have that, as you've rightly pointed out, at the very beginning with creation. We have that, for example, with Noah, after God resets the clock, as it were. Mm -hmm. We have that with the Exodus. And all of these chapters, uh, Scripture indicates that these are occasions for special blessing. God is intervening. God is setting his people on the path that uh, we could characterize as being uh, shaped by his blessing. One of of the the New Testament, with the New Covenant, we have blessing of a different order with uh, the incarnation of Jesus and the uh, steps that unfold that lead to our salvation uh, because of the cross. One of the greatest uh, uh, chapters or areas of blessing in the Old Testament, in fact, for the whole of the, the Bible... Uh, I think, comes to us in God's interaction with Abraham. 
And uh, he said, I am blessing you to be a blessing. And it seems to me that that captures uh, the essence of our life trajectory from God's viewpoint. He doesn't want to just bless us. He wants us to be a conduit of his blessing. In other words, we're blessed to be a blessing. And uh, to me, that captures the greater picture of of the concept of blessing. On the other hand, uh, we still are struggling to find out what does blessing really mean? What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to bless? What does it mean for God to bless? When we ask God to bless us, what are we really asking for? What say you? I would refer to another term from the Old Testament, the idea of shalom. Uh And uh, this is a wonderfully rich concept that maybe we could summarize as a state of well-being, of flourishing, of living in community in the way that God wants us to. Mm -hmm. That his ideal for us is that we would be together in this state of harmony where all things are going well. Now, in real life, things aren't perfect. We don't have a state of shalom. But that would be the the kind of blessing that we could aspire to or hope for uh, from God. So when the uh, Jewish people would say at the end of a communication or to cut off a phone call or a conversation, shalom, uh, in a sense, that encompasses, you're saying, a a kind of special blessing that's all-encompassing for your life. It would be like me saying to you, have a good day and really meaning it. <laughs> and want everything to go well for you this day. Uh-huh. Okay. Not just this day, but from now on. And so, yeah, when I say goodbye... I'm saying God be with you in our modern way of abbreviating that. Mm-hmm. And it's a wish for your well-being. All right. But blessing has to be more than just a wish. Exactly. Why? What makes blessing more than a wish? One of the points I try to emphasize in the book is that blessing is God-rooted. Mm-hmm. And ultimately comes from God, and it's not merely a wish. Uh, If your six-year-old daughter or granddaughter is having a birthday and blowing out the candles and making a wish, that's all very nice. But there's no one there who has the capacity uh, to, A, know what her secret wish is, nor, B, the ability to implement that wish. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas when we ask for God's blessing, we're praying for something, one hopes, uh, specific, and we are serving a God who understands our unspoken as well as our spoken prayers and also has the capacity to deliver on those if that is in keeping with his will and if that's in fact good for us. Uh, You know, I could pray for a million dollars tomorrow and God would say, hey, I know you, I can't trust you with a million, and that prayer doesn't get answered. So it wouldn't be a blessing if he were to answer that prayer? No. Huh. So what is a blessing from God's viewpoint 
may not be a blessing from our viewpoint, or what's a blessing from our viewpoint may not be from God's viewpoint. Exactly. One of the little chapters I have in the book essentially is about it all depends. And you may have uh, a bad bout of flu in the next few days that keeps you from flying to, oh, let's say, Washington State for a speaking engagement. But you say, oh, no, that's bad news. Well, the plane crashes, and then you say, oh, what a blessing that I wasn't <laughs> on the plane. That's right. So we don't necessarily know, and when we're asking God uh, to bless us, uh, we have to trust him with the consequences of what it is. Uh, we want to be a little bit careful about the spe- specificity of what constitutes a blessing. That's right. But I also think there's a large place for general blessings. When our children were little, we would say an improvised prayer over them at night. Uh-huh. Say, God bless Sarah and keep her safe and well mm-hmm. and happy. And we'd say the same thing for our son, Matthew. And that was a very general prayer for their well-being, that they in some way would have a state of shalom in their lives. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't specific. Obviously, if they got sick, we'd then pray specifically for them to get well. But I think it's okay, as the pastor does at the end of church on Sunday, to give a general benediction and send us on our way with a an all-encompassing covering prayer so that we may have a good week, good as defined by God. So that is what the ironic blessing was all about. The Lord bless you and keep you. Yes. Uh, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The lift up, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, uh, or give you shalom. That is the ironic blessing, and uh, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yes, uh, and in fact, I speak in the book with well, this one chapter on that very point. So you've put your finger on uh, yet another aspect that I think is really important for people to be aware of. You know, I'm remembering uh, Ellen, Helen Keller uh, referring to her blindness as a blessing. Yeah, for most of us, it's difficult to see that. And uh, there's uh, I, one of my earlier books was about light and sight and the Christian faith. And a writer whose work I used in that book was an Australian fellow who went blind and then went into studying theology and became a professor in England. And he had a tough time dealing with all the imagery of light and sight in the Bible. Mm -hmm. At one point he argued blindness can hardly be a blessing. But as he matured in his faith, he came to see it in the way that Helen Keller did as yeah, in some ways, this can be seen as a blessing. That a blind person can actually, in many respects, see better than someone with sight. They pick up things that you and I right. cannot. Exactly. Okay, so this matter of blessing, then, uh, is, would you say that it's subjective? Golly, that's a hard question. It is. It's very hard because... Uh, something would be very definitely objective from God's viewpoint, but it might be subjective from our viewpoint. Well, 
way to split it because we, as we mature in our faith, in our walk with God, we ought always to be trying increasingly to see things from God's point of view as we discern His will for ourselves, for our church, uh, for our community. And we are, we are by definition subjective beings, and so we cannot see things entirely from God's point of view, which I would agree, I would argue with you, uh, that, that, is sub- that that is objective, whereas uh, my perspective is limited. I cannot see anything close to the way that God can see things. In 2014, my wife and I experienced a terrible fire, and uh, it resulted in our entire house having, having to be not only evacuated of people, but evacuated of everything that was in it. And many things were destroyed. And the insurance agent that came by uh, said to me initially, this is a catastrophic loss. That was the term she used. This is a catastrophic loss. However, she said, when all of this is over, you may very well be glad. Now, we had no way of appreciating what she was saying. But in the end result, we discovered that after being out of the house for almost a year and a half and all of the things they went through and trying and tribulation, it actually inured to our benefit beyond anything that we could have ever imagined. And uh, it's just an illustration. Uh, My wife and I, Kathy and I, have gone through many trials uh, and snares, as the song says. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. But looking back, what we have discovered is that even amid some of the darkest trials, we learned something, something occurred in our life that actually proved to be a great blessing. I'm very glad that the insurance agent didn't open the conversation with you by saying, Oh, your home is destroyed. What a blessing. (laughs) That's true. Now, see, that was a different way of putting it, wasn't it? Yes. (laughs) That would be like singing a, a, a wonderful song to somebody who's very sad. The Bible warns us about doing that. It's not going to be well received. Okay. So, again, I'm going to put you on the spot after this coming up break. Uh, How would you define blessing? Okay. Okay. Now, I want to make your book available to our blessed listeners, and they're blessed because they are receiving this conversation here today to help us to understand the breadth of the meaning of blessing. And it has to help us in our uh, life in Christ, particularly as we see increasingly difficult times coming upon us. So the book is a $17 book. It's called The God Who Blesses, and uh, it's yours for $16 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And I believe you will be blessed when you read this book. 
Now, we don't offer anything on this program that we do not feel, that I do not personally feel, will be a blessing to you if you read it with an open mind and an open heart. In other words, if you go to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, I'm going to now uh, open up this particular book, would you reveal to me how you want my life to change as a result of reading this book? What you're really now doing is asking the Lord, without using the word bless, you're asking the Lord to bless you. So we don't always have to use the word, but it's in our heart. It's in our spirit. When we get back, our special guest, uh, Gordon Jackson, is going to tell us a little bit more about what it really means to bless, to be a blessing, and uh, there are many other things that we haven't yet even talked about in terms of application. I hope you'll stay tuned. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. In Matthew 25, Jesus in his Olivet Discourse says, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the blessings prepared for you. Hmm. Blessed of the Father, inherit the blessings prepared for you. Apparently, there are some kind of blessings that have been specifically prepared that aren't just happenstance at a moment. Something necessarily, maybe we don't even have to pray for specifically. Because of God's character, his mercy, his grace, his willingness to provide for us as a loving father. That itself is great blessing as far as I'm concerned. What say you, uh, Gordon? I think you touch on something that is very difficult for people to understand and that is how God does things like choosing a Jacob over an Esau. Why? When Joseph is at his father's deathbed and uh, the father, Jacob, is wanting to bless Joseph's sons, this mm-hmm. is the younger one instead of the older one. Why? This isn't the right way to do things. <laughs> right. Uh, it, I mean, that was offensive to Joseph. It didn't seem like a blessing at all, did it? No, and then you look at uh, the strange ways in which God seems to operate throughout history, and we are not in a position to question those choices that God makes. So are you saying that God is capricious with regard to his uh, bestowing of blessings? I am saying God is mysterious. (laughs) He's God, in other words. 
Yeah, we're beyond uh, any ability to fully understand God's will. And sometimes things seem to us to be unfair or uh, seem to uh, be inexplicable, and it's tough for us to, to live with that. But the fuller picture is that God is seeking good things for all of us. And whether we're a, a Jacob or an Esau, God is still wanting good things for each of us. And uh, you asked me before the break about a definition of blessing. Yes. And it's a, a difficult thing to do because I'm needing to ask you, well, what kind of blessing? Mm-hmm. You're saying uh, to bless you because of a sneeze. That's a different category. <laughs> That's a trite and trivial category. Yes. Uh, or I call it a colloquial kind of usage. Aha, uh-huh, that's right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, and then when I'm asking in all earnestness for a blessing, or the pastor's giving a benediction on Sunday morning, I regard that as a, a sacred or a hallowed blessing. Mm-hmm. Now, those are blessings that flow from a higher authority to a lower one. The pastor has status uh, and is in that capacity giving a blessing to you and me. But there is a time when those blessings go in reverse. You said at the very beginning of the program that wonderful verse from the Psalms about uh, bless the Lord, O my soul. Right. And here we're looking at the word blessing or the verb to bless in a different way. Here we're looking at it as a synonym for praise or honor. Mm-hmm. And here the blessing is going from low status, you and me, to high status, God himself. So blessing takes on different forms depending on the context. Well, I think uh, the attitude of the heart uh, is a big part of uh, the word bless. Uh, for instance, the song, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That uh, cannot happen unless I have a humble heart, unless I have a grateful heart, because blessing the Lord has to come out of a heart of gratitude and humility, doesn't it? It does. If the blessing that you are offering God, the praise you're offering God, is to be genuine and sincere, then absolutely you have to have those attitudes of humility and gratitude accompanying your thinking. All right, so what if I say to someone, uh, bless you, my brother? How would you describe that? So often at the end of emails, at the end of conversations, and I've thought about that, and I think, uh, I don't think there's any harm in that. However, there's the danger of it becoming so trivial Mm that we lose the power of what is really intended. I agree. So it can become just like an interjection in our conversation that becomes meaningless. Yes. We're just using it to fill up space. Yeah, and it's the same kind of trivial thing as saying, uh, have a good day. And I'm used to hearing that when I'm at at the store or at Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. bank and the person helping me concludes uh, concludes our time by saying, have a good day or maybe have a good weekend. Right. And that's, you know, a perfectly innocent and I think harmless 
a greeting uh, to conclude our time. Mm-hmm. But Christians need to be more attuned to the language they're using. And if you're going to say to that bank teller, uh, bless you, well, what do you really mean by that? How is this person going to interpret that? If you're speaking to a fellow Christian and you say, bless you, my brother, that person will perhaps receive that information um, in a different frame of mind. Mm -hmm. But it's also possible that both of you are just bandying about a cliché to which neither of you is paying close attention. Bandying about a cliché. I think we need to be very careful as Christians to make sure that our words mean what what they're supposed to say. And that's why I hope that this book will get people to think a bit more carefully about what they're doing. All right, well, God gave a, a special blessing to Abraham. He said, through him would all the families of the earth be blessed. And then he gave a special blessing or covenant uh, to David uh, that through him, uh, all the nations of the earth and families would be blessed because uh, Christ would rule on the throne of David forever and ever. Uh, those are two different blessings, but they're in a continuity of blessing from God's viewpoint, aren't they? Yes, and those would be other uh, chapters in the history where uh, we have Saul coming to the throne in Israel followed by David, and it's David who, as you rightly point out, is the beginning of the lineage, uh, the monarchy uh, that will culminate with Jesus as the King of Kings. And isn't it interesting, uh, Gordon, that most of the words uh, in communications regarding blessing are from David in the Psalms, in his writings, and then we find them reiterated in a different way, in a profound way, from Jesus himself, who came from the seed of David. Yes, and draws upon those psalms. Just as an aside, I think I would have loved to have met David as a young and a middle-aged man. Uh huh. don't know that I would have liked to meet him when he was an old man. But he... As a young man, I think at that point his heart was closest to God. And later, with his various flaws, um, I think he had weaknesses that all of us have. And I would have preferred to have met him in his youth and middle age. Mm-hmm. I, th- I, I can understand why you would say that. Now, I want to uh, explore something with you. Uh, the word grace... Uh, I think, has been terribly abused in the past uh, 30 years, and almost in a disgraceful way. Uh, And it's been trivialized. It also has been trivialized. So is grace the same as blessing? If God uh, sends his grace upon us, is that the same as God blessing us? Uh, Grace is undeserved. Blessing, I guess, is undeserved, but is it possible to frustrate God's blessing? Apparently, the Bible says we can frustrate his grace. Well, we can disregard uh, his grace, and 
we can abuse gifts that have been given to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is, of course, in Christian circles, a deep divide over the issue, can I lose my salvation? Right. If I am perpetually and willfully doing things contrary to the will of God, will I lose my salvation? Well, I'm no theologian. I'm not planning to get into that issue. But the question is... Well, I'm glad you brought it up because it's a serious, serious question. And it goes to the attitude of our ways and our hearts with regard to God's grace and then also his blessing. Yeah. I, in fact, have a section on this very question. And if you can indulge me for a moment, I'll read what I see as the difference between grace and blessing. All right. A very short quote. Blessings arise from God's grace or as a petition for God's grace in a given setting. It's not the other way around. Blessings don't result in grace. Grace is overarching and all-encompassing, whereas blessings are focused and targeted. Mm -hmm. God's grace is central to salvation, uh, whereas uh, we are saved by grace. We are not saved by blessings. Blessings are what we could call a byproduct or a subset. All right, so salvation is a blessing, but it is we're not saved by blessing. Yes. Okay. I think that's right. So blessing is a byproduct. So it would appear to me that we can not only frustrate God's grace, which is his unmerited favor. If we if we repudiate or reject his grace, uh, that's a disgrace. It's disgracing God. It's a, it's a form of blasphemy, actually. Uh, but when we talk about blessing, uh, we have no entitlement to blessing, do we? No, I would uh, agree completely. All right. Oh. Now, let's talk about that more when we get back from this break in the final segment of our program here. What What happens, without talking about disinheriting our salvation, how about disinheriting blessing? Let's talk about what keeps us from being blessed. We'll be right back after this, friends. The book, The God Who Blesses, $16 on our website, saveus.org. We'll put it in your hands. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Is it possible to frustrate or, shall we say, cut ourselves off from God's blessing? And if so, what does that look like? 
how do we do that? If we understand how we cut ourselves off from God's blessing, then it should help us to understand how we can correct our lives, our attitudes, our behavior, our response to God, so that we put ourselves more in a position of being blessed by the Lord. So, uh, Gordon, uh, what is it that uh, can frustrate or even cut off the flow of God's blessing in our lives. When I was doing research for the book, I had a good meeting with one of the theology professors at the college where I taught at Whitworth University. Mm-hmm. And he said, be sure to include in your book on blessings the section from the Old Testament on the Mount of Blessings and the Mount of Cursing. Yes, that this one that's a mysterious enough. one. Sorry? I said that's a mysterious one that usually is brushed over in people's Bible reading or even from our pulpits. Yeah, and uh, in what is, I think, generally an upbeat, positive, encouraging book, uh, seeing this red traffic light of cursing, <laughs> so what is that doing there? Well, yeah. Well, that's to speak to your point about can one uh, for forfeit the blessings God wants to give us? Can we so frustrate God's purposes that we end up in deep spiritual trouble? And the answer, I think, has to be yes. We can willfully, persistently do those things which we know are outside of God's will, or we shut ourselves off from people who would want to correct us and steer us straight Mm -hmm. and fellow Christians who say, you know, you're treading dangerous paths here. And I think that in the long run, there would indeed be a uh, a price to pay. There would indeed be a 21st century equivalent of cursings. Well, look, let's look at this. Real, let's, let's apply this very specifically then. Right now, just approximately 50% of all American children are born out of wedlock. which means they're not in a home with the father and the mother. They're in absolute unmitigated violation of God's word concerning fornication and adultery. And so it would seem to me that you have to conclude from that 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 America as a people group is disenfranchising itself from God's blessing on that point alone, without talking about anything else? I think a society that isn't following God's expectations and patterns for how we ought to live, the further away we get from that shalomic ideal, Mm -hmm. the more trouble we can expect to be in as a society. All right, so again, uh, over the past, uh, since 1968, when uh, Ronald Reagan... as governor of California, passed the uh, No Fault Divorce Act there. Uh, Since then, approximately a million children every year have been left virtual orphans as a result of divorce across America. That has caused a curse rather than a blessing, has it not? Yeah, I would agree. All right, so there's there's the mount of the cursings and blessings. Right there, we see it in high definition right in front of us, don't we? Right, and I think we could point to other ills in our society 
And indeed, every culture, every society is going to have uh, characteristics that displease God. And uh, we live with those at our peril. At the individual level, I think it's really important to be aware of, uh, first of all, what God's expectations of us are, Mm -hmm. and secondly, to be in community with other Christians who can hold us accountable. Uh, I think one of the problems with many churches is people see fellows, uh, fellow believers in their church doing things that are clearly contrary to God's will, Mm -hmm. but no one has the courage or fortitude to go up to them and say, look, I want to say this to you in love, but you ought not to be doing such and such, or this isn't God's best for you. And And yet those very things are being welcomed into our churches ostensibly in the name of Christ's love. Yeah, so let's take, for example, someone who has a problem with uh, alcohol addiction or other substance abuse. Mm -hmm. If you are going to see someone in your fellowship just continue going downhill, perhaps uh, abusing a spouse or children at the same time, uh, for us just to say, well, we lovingly accept this person's flaws and all into our community without doing anything to help that person, A, wake up to the problem, but more importantly, B, do something about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I think we are failing God, and he has put us in a place where we can be his agent to uh, effect good and perhaps save a little child from being uh, permanently damaged in uh, a violent bout by a drunken father. There's almost a sense in which, and I want to be a little careful about this, but it's very close to, if I'm not a blessing, I'm a curse. I if, think there must be some neutral ground. Yeah, well, that's what I say. I want to be very careful about this, uh, but there's a, it's like a fulcrum, and it, it's hard to be in a position of neutrality. We're either loving or we're not loving. We're either forgiving or we're not forgiving. We're either blessing or we're not blessing. If we're not blessing, there is perhaps what we have is level of cursing. Then <laughs> uh, the negative response. And how about uh, Gordon? Uh, the word obey. Uh, it's a four-letter word. And it's been deemed in the last 25, 30 years a four-letter word in the church. In fact, pastor upon pastor upon pastor on this program has admitted it's the most hated word in the church today. And yet all the blessings of God are predicated on our obedience. You said at the very beginning that blessings are grounded in a relationship. Yes. And I want to get back to that as... Uh, a response to what you've been discussing in concern uh, yeah. with part of obedience. Sure. And we obey people because we love them, or because they have authority over us, mm-hmm. or because of a mix of those things. And we ought to be obeying God because, A, He has infinite love for us, but B, he is worthy of obedience. And if, and he's God. <laughs> what good for me in a way that I cannot possibly know. Uh-huh. 
And so you mentioned uh, children being born out of wedlock. I think of what C.S. Lewis wrote so many years ago that is very difficult for people outside the church to accept, but also those inside the church. And what he said was, chastity is the least popular of the Christian virtues. You're right. And people outside (laughs) the church love Christians who are kind and generous and forgiving. Uh Uh-huh. They are not that impressed with Christians who speak about chastity. Isn't that amazing? That was C.S. Lewis. Yes. I haven't heard that quote from C.S. Lewis before. We like to quote him all the time in different ways, but we don't hear that one. I guess that's because that's the most uh, uh, rejected virtue of the Christian faith. (laughs) That was probably in the 1940s and 50s that he was writing that in a much more conservative time in the Western world. Isn't that just amazing? Well, we want to get back now. Okay. We have the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord uh, lift up his countenance upon you, be gracious unto you and give you peace, uh, give you shalom. Uh, what a beautiful, beautiful expression. I love that. Uh, frequently, uh, I will use that in a congregational setting. Uh, because, And I, I do it with great meaning. Uh, I don't do it uh, presumptively. I don't do it casually. I do it with great implication and meaning. And I think that brings us back to the matter of the heart. We used to sing a song that said, Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Well, can we do that today? What, what, why don't we count our blessings? Is it that we're not grateful? I think that gratitude is an aspect we've not talked about nearly enough in our Mm -hmm. time together. Exactly. I know we're running out of time. But gratitude surely must be a consequence of careful thinking about blessings. And someone has said that what would happen if you woke up tomorrow with only those things that you thanked God for for today? (laughs) Or in the last week, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, and that's an impossible uh, situation. Uh, Mm -hmm. You don't wake up tomorrow and say, oh, no, I didn't thank God yesterday for uh, my kidneys, and they're gone. Right. (laughs) Um, We can't possibly thank God for everything every day. But it does heighten our awareness of the need to thank God for those things at least some of those things that we recognize as blessings in our lives. Well, it's an attitude. Gratitude is an attitude. And I think uh, when Jesus wrote or or spoke there on the Mount of Beatitudes, uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount and so on, what he was really talking about is attitudes. The Beatitudes are attitudes of being. And uh, it's those attitudes of being that actually are the foundation for blessings, I think. And more than that, it's a reflection of a relationship. They aren't just attitudes in the abstract. They're attitudes that flow out of a relationship with God. 
All right, so when Jesus says now, right there in the Beatitudes, blessed are men, you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake, uh, we don't normally count that as a blessing. Why? Well, the problem with the Beatitudes is many people look at them and say, these are impossible things to do. Well, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He wasn't talking about every Tom, Dick, and Harry who wouldn't have a relationship that would be so radical as you uh, that you could say, I, I am under orders to love my enemy, and that means I will turn the other cheek. I will go the extra mile. Those are, sec- those are standards and expectations that the secular world cannot begin to grasp. But if we're in that relationship with Christ, then we see things differently. All right, so relationship with Christ then, in wrapping this thing up, uh, actually is another way of saying our viewpoint determines our destiny. Our viewpoint concerning our relationship with the Lord, its implications, its applications, and so on, is determining and will continue to determine whether or not we're going to be blessed of the Lord and we're going to experience and sense those blessings as blessings. Uh, I agree. And uh, the other thing is to recognize that there is common grace where God is sending the rain on the just and the unjust and that there are uh, blessings that come to Christians and non-Christians alike. And that's an opportunity for Christians to point out to others the marvel of God's creation Mm. and to uh, speak about his relationship, his desire for relationship with all of his people. Well, Gordon, you're a a very wise person. Uh, I sense that uh, you really, really uh, have a, a spiritual understanding of the nature of blessing and its purpose. And I appreciate your sharing it with us here today on Viewpoint, jogging our our thinking concerning this, the God who blesses. Get a copy of the book, friends. We need God's blessing, don't we? And we need to bless one another. We're blessed to be a blessing. $16, we'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us. God bless and be a blessing. Listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.